Welcome to Thinking with Dr. Barry Whitney. This podcast series is compiled from Dr. Whitney's university class entitled Justifying Beliefs. The thesis of this class is that we all hold beliefs, and no matter what they are or how deeply we adhere to them, we owe it to ourselves to apply rational testing of our beliefs in order to aim to justify them. This class takes us along that journey, perhaps for the first time or more deeply. For further insights and materials mentioned in this series, please refer to the resource page on Facebook entitled Thinking with Dr. Barry Whitney. Because you have to assume something's true. Like, I mean, like if Christianity or, like, if if it isn't true, then there's no point in doing this. But Pascal was convinced that it's true, so it's worth doing. Now, maybe Travolta thinks it's true to do the same thing with Scientology. I haven't seen anybody else pick up this test. They don't seem to understand it. Nothing to lose, everything to gain. Um, All you lose is skepticism. and, and, And quite frankly, if there is no God, if you take up Pascal's challenge, uh, all you do in this life is have, probably have a better life by believing in God. That's and uh, and your skepticism about about whether science is able to prove it is all you lose. It's not not that difficult a thing to do. That's kind of like what the faith people do. So I've spared you going through Kierkegaard and a whole bunch of other faithists. But I'm sorry to say that most modern theology in the past about 80 years has been faithist, and this culture's faithist. The problem is. Not everything you cultivate, not everything you believe is true. I hope we're all here looking for the truth. Like, in, in no matter what we believe, that's the whole point of justifying our beliefs. The main reason we believe something. Like, that's, like hardly anybody said that, though. Like, why do you believe what you believe? It makes me feel good, gives me an identity. You remember all the stories? I was socialized into it. No one said, I believe it because it's true. It's bizarre. This culture doesn't focus on truth, but I, I don't know. It seems to me that when you see that reason that no one used, there's something wrong here because it seems to me the reason you believe what you believe is because it's true, and it should be our business to find out if we believe it's true to find out why. Feeling good just doesn't cut it. It's not enough. The truth actually feels good, but it, it's a deeper truth, I think, deeper sense of feeling good. Christianity is not just about ethical laws. You know that it's often said that all religions are the same. And the argument against that is, is that no, they're not. You either believe in reincarnation or you believe that you have one life and resurrection. Um, or you believe that God's personal or you believe that God is impersonal. But what religions share? One of, one of the uh, strong um, uh, arguments for that strange belief that all religions are just the same thing in different guises is the moral law. Like all religions and all cultures seem to have pretty much the same moral law. They may not be aware of it. They may have different versions of it, but it's the same law. Like there's always a law against abusing children and, 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 and uh, a cowardice. And There's never been a culture that, that said the best thing to do is to be uh, self-obsessed and, and kill all the children, kill all the old people. There's never been a culture that, that's violated basic moral principles. That's the moral proof, saying that ethical relativists seem to think that we make up our moral laws and all cultures are different, but when you start looking at them, there's far more unanimity in cultures than there is differences. 
And when people are different, it's because they have gone their choices, like you say. They've deviated from the moral law and decided, like the Nazis, that we should eradicate everybody who's... Uh, and they got this from the theory of evolution, by the way, that we should eradicate the weak and the infirm and, and those who are useless for the advance of our great culture. Like, uh, that, that's their line. Um, they knew it was wrong. But the minute, I mean, there was a way that they could convince people to do that by simply degrading people and using evolutionary theory, social, social psychology. It's a dangerous game when you start playing. I'm saying ethics is important. There are a lot of myths out there about moral relativism, that all cultures are different, or every person is different in their ethical beliefs. That just isn't true. And no one ever created an ethical belief. You're simply using a belief that's there. and it, 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 you, you don't create a new universe. No one creates a new color. You don't create an ethical belief. They're there. That, it's a strong argument for God that all cultures, all religions, that's the one thing they share, the ethical, moral law. Hindus, Buddhists, Jains, Christians, Muslims, just right down the line, the moral law is there. All of them, without exception. Now, you could look at that from the outside and say, well, Hindus have this moral law about reincarnation, so don't they find it atrocious that we kill cows? You know, And, and for them, a cow would actually be a wandering soul. See, the moral law is the same, though. The moral law is we shouldn't kill. But if you actually believe the cow is grandmother, or, or you know, way back when, a few trillion lifetimes before, that would be murder to a Hindu, but it's not murder to us. But we st like we have different cultural habits and practices, but that doesn't mean we have the same our different moral laws and culture. This is one of the big areas of controversy because this has always been an argument for God that the moral law that everyone feels, everybody acts according to their personal conscience. That's a simpler way of putting it. We act according as our conscience dictates. Yes, we can go against our conscience and we, then we feel guilty, but everybody's got a conscience. And then the question is, what's its source? Why does everybody have a conscience? Why is it that it seems to be the same? We all disagree that you shouldn't, you shouldn't abuse children and, uh, and kill people needlessly and on and on it goes except for cultural preference that human beings, when they pervert this moral law, where does it come from? Except from, it's an argument for God because these cultures that are separated geographically and every other way have the same moral conscience. That's the moral argument for God it, it, in a nutshell. It's, it's a, you, you think you might be different. This culture seems to think we can do anything we want within reason because we decide, but it's really just picking and choosing from different moral laws and different versions. And I think it is a caricature of the church, like you say, that uh, it's just a pile of moral laws. Eating meat on Friday and is, is, is not a moral law of the universe. It's a, it's a respect for fasting, basically. Like it's a practice. It, it has nothing to do with every culture better do this. So we differ in our practices, but we, I don't think we differ in our moral laws. If you think you're giving up too much, yeah, you do give up a lot. You know, I think that's the appeal of the new spirituality without, without going on forever on this and offending everybody, but, or a lot of you. I think the new spirituality where there is no personal God, that somehow there's just this force that we can tap into and become one with, there's no accountability in that. But if there is a personal God, 
who has moral demands like you shouldn't kill each other, you should love each other, you should, you should, you should not waste your time worshiping creatures instead of the Creator. Like these moral laws are good for us. They're, they're, they're not destructive. Can you imagine a society without moral laws? Like where everybody makes up their own? The alternative of everybody saying, I do what feels good. That's, that's, just, that's just a bunch of sociopaths gone wild. There's never been a culture like that. I hope there never will be one. Most of us think that's impossible. We're not that crazy. Uh, the minute you encroach upon me uh, with your preferences and I encroach upon you with my preferences, then we've got a moral conflict. And the minute you say there's a moral conflict, you're wrong, you shouldn't give me an F because you didn't like the way I looked. You're appealing to a higher law. That's the moral proof, by the way. We're always appealing to a higher law. We can't argue. Nothing would ever be wrong if there weren't a moral law. Everything would be right because it's, there's no standard to say this is wrong and this is right. C.S. Lewis, one of the Christian apologists of this century, has a moral argument for God's existence that Creef uses and just about everybody else. It's, it's, it's just a masterpiece. Um, he tells you all the things that you couldn't do, and yet we have to do them. We do them. If you didn't believe that there's an objective moral set of rules that behind conscience and behind, behind um, all of these laws and regulations, not that we understand all the laws and regulations, you couldn't argue, no one would ever be wrong, you could never judge anybody else. This all sounds good, but the minute somebody does something miserable to you or somebody like a Hitler takes over a culture and we find ourselves saying, that's not right, the minute you say, like I say, it's not right, you are no longer a moral relativist. You are now acknowledging that there is a right and there is a wrong. You may not know it, except in your conscience, but when somebody decides that, let's say that, that Paul Martin decides that everybody over 50 should be killed, make more room for the rest of us, or every baby that's retarded should be killed, or everybody that's in a nursing home, just, just kill them all. Let's just get rid of them all. The minute you say, that's not right, you are appealing to something. How do you know it's not right? That's his preference. That's like We all think that we're so free to do anything we want, but the minute we do something that isn't right, we do appeal to a moral law. That is the moral proof for God's existence, that deny it as you will, that there's a source to this conscience. It's not just you. You can't be the source. I feel it's right to do this. I feel it's wrong to do this. Who the heck are you? How do you know that? Like, have you never made a mistake? You're not the source of conscience. And God knows society is not the source of our conscience. They've been wrong. Why would you believe society, a group of people who have gotten together and said, we've decided that it's wrong to have an abortion or it's right to have an abortion. Why should you believe them? They're just a bunch of people. That's not a legitimate source of conscience. You're not a legitimate source of conscience. And you can't just say there's some moral law floating around in the universe. A moral law implies intelligence. A moral law is not like a natural law, like gravity that, that's blind and unconscious. A moral law means you shouldn't do something. Like, so what I'm saying is, what's the source of this moral law? It can't be you, and it can't be me. It can't be culture. It's a green light and a red light. It's just a cultural consensus. It has nothing to do with morality. It's just what we've decided is right and wrong, and it's going to change next year. Or it's going to change 10 years from now. And it can't be some impersonal force because an impersonal force isn't conscious. Isn't conscious. It can't be, I could also add, but I, I haven't got the six hours to defend it, it can't, all, it can't be that moral law just emerged from evolution either. 
because it doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense to most of us that study it. And the only option that the, that the conscience can come from is, is what the moral proof has always said. It comes from a conscience, conscious, powerful, aware, personal presence, and that's what we mean by God. That's our argument. We think we're making it up, but we're following our conscience. We feel by the way, if, you, if there wasn't a God, if there wasn't a conscience, then you couldn't praise anybody, you couldn't blame anybody. I hope some of you, I guess it's the other class, but yeah, I keep thinking they're in the same room and there's the same people in both of these classes. There's, there's a web document that's just shocking stuff. If you want to see people who don't believe in a moral law at all, like the, the Humanist Manifesto people, these are, the, these are people who say, Moral law is simply our preference. What we decide is good for us. And it's going to change next year, yes, but there's not. And there's, a, there's another website, a killer, called naturalism.org, which tells you these are the people who don't believe in God. They're out-and-out atheists, and they're saying, because there's no God, of course there's no moral law. There's no basis of conscience. There's really no conscience except your personal feelings at the moment. They deny all of this. And then the moral proof becomes... How can you deny it? Um, I can do the simplest little thing to offend you, and you say that's not fair. You're appealing to it. You're assuming it exists. You can't deny it. That's, that's the beauty of the moral argument for God. The minute you say there is no source, that you make it up or culture makes it up, then you have to keep quiet. You basically have to say, there is no right and there is no wrong then. If it all comes from us, whether it's you individually or, or culture collectively or evolution as some kind of an instinct, it has nothing to do with, with, with morality. It, it's, simply, it's simply something that's just here, that, that we've invented, or, or nature's invented. But it, it does, it does, that's not what we're feeling. We're not feeling some natural law. We're feeling some moral obligation. It's a difficult argument. We need courses in ethics that spend 13 weeks on this thing. Seriously, it's... Maybe, maybe a whole course on um, morality would be a good idea. It's, it's, this is our cultural flaw. When 22% believe in a moral law in this culture, there's something wrong. You can't not believe it. If you don't believe it, you can't argue, you can't praise, you can't blame, you can't, you can't judge. That may sound like these things are good, um, but what if I judge you? what if I offend you? And then, I mean, how much can you take before you're going to start appealing to some moral law that you claim doesn't exist? We all know it exists. That's what the moral proof says. We have a conscience. We know what we're talking about. And then we go and deny that it has a source except in us or some arbitrary cultural source. The moral law in Christianity is love God and love each other. That can't change. That's all the thing. Just acknowledge God's the creator. That's all it is. Rather than worship some piece of stone, uh, you know, or, or, or something man-made like yourself, um, and love each other. It's that simple. Like, that, that's not going to change. The Ten Commandments of Moses, which are exactly the same that you find in the Quran, and almost identical to the Hindu moral law, uh, the law of Manu, and the Buddhist Dharma, and the Confucius Li, they're all the same. There are social practices, though, that we have to separate from moral law. And our understanding of moral laws isn't necessarily accurate. But that's not an argument. Like different cultures obviously have different understandings. But that's, that's because we're flawed. It doesn't mean God's flawed. I'm saying it's immutable because God's immutable. It does, it's unchanging because God's unchanging. 
I can't think of any other legitimate source for our conscience except a God. It can't be us. It can't be other people. We wouldn't feel a conscience if it came from anything except something beyond the world that has the power and authority, a personal source. You can't feel a moral obligation to obey the laws of gravity. It's not conscious. Conscious. But you, you do feel a moral obligation, I would hope, to obey the law of God, your conscience. That's Jesus' moral law. Treat others like you'd... And Confucius said it 600 years before Jesus in China. Treat others like you'd like to be treated yourself because it, truth is truth. You know, like if it, if it comes from God, then it's, you know, it, it, all people are going to understand that basic stuff. I don't think it's controlled to love other people and, and not to treat people badly and follow the Ten Commandments. It's not controlling society. It's, 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 it, like control means that you do, it, it, it has the connotation like like you're suppressing their freedom to kill and to maim and disrespect their parents. Like these, this would lead to chaos. It's 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 a it's it's God gives us the grace we we think in Christianity to follow the moral law because it frees us from doing these horrible things. The Christians, by the way, say that no one can fulfill the moral law. It's beyond us. We're just incapable of doing it. Like it's but it's there to show us. What it is, you know, how sinful we are, how, how, how alienated from God we are. And if there is a guideline, it's control, but in the right sense that it, it keeps us from destroying ourselves and each other. I don't think that's a bad thing. A lot of these naturalistic theories don't really come down to that. They, they assume that everybody's good and that some, somehow we're capable of following moral laws, but it, it just, it's, it's never happened. So I just don't see how it's possible. Christians at least acknowledge that we can't do it. We need God's grace, and even then we can't do it. It's, but at least we're aware. That it's, it's a way of putting what we feel inside. The moral law is within conscience and in, 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 in the religious experience. That's what a religious experience of God is. Part of it is, it's not just that God exists, but it's God is a moral personality that, that, that demands of us, you know, uh, Demands in the right sense, uh, protects us, basically. I think that's a better word. It's, it's, it's not control, it's protection. I can't even imagine a culture that would disobey Ten Commandments willingly. Um, there'd be nothing left to litter dead people. Chaos. It wouldn't last a week. That's hedonism. You know, you know who does that is the Marquis de Sade. Talked about him in another class on religion and literature. There's a guy who decided there is no God and he went beyond Nietzsche. He the Marquis de Sade decided that if there is no God, anything goes. And perversion and all, I mean, masochism comes from this guy's name. All, and sadism. All of this is, uh, is the Marquis. He's living at the time of Napoleon and, and the French Revolution, and he basically does the most disgusting, gross things that a human being can do to each other as an example of what's left if there is no God. He just literally showed us what human beings would be reduced to if we didn't believe there's a God behind a moral conscience. He just denied it. We, we have the freedom to deny it. So maybe we do need some guidance and protection, controls, maybe a, a stronger word, but if, if we became the Marquis de Sade, all of us, there wouldn't be anybody left. We have a conscience. Where does it come from? Can't be us. Can't be society can't be an, a blind nature that's unconscious. That's why we say it's from God. And, of course, the Bible and religious beliefs 
confirm that God gives us these moral laws. So that's it in a nutshell. We, have a, we, we feel this moral law. It comes from God because it can't come from anything else. We have to explain its source. It's that simple. But there's really a lot going on there. For one thing, it looks like to me now there's a couple of moral arguments, and they're different. Um, people like the humanists in our culture, humanist manifesto, and the, the people who are out-and-out atheists deny that there's any external source to morality. They say we can live with the thought that we make it up. It's, it, we make it up, okay? If you can just follow that. This culture is, is engrossed in relative ethics, situation ethics, which says there is no right, there is no wrong, except what's right for me and wrong for me in my unique particular situation. That's what the non-theistic group in general says. They deny that the conscience comes from anything except themselves. Now, if you start with that premise and just think about that for a minute, there is no God. What I feel I should do is not really a conscience from God or a moral law from God, but it's my personal choice. Here's a list from C.S. Lewis of what you no longer can do if you're a relativist. You can't disagree with anybody because that would make no sense. If somebody says, I don't believe in God, what I feel I should do right now depends on me alone. So I say, I think I'm going to cut off your finger. Because that's what I feel I should do right now. I've seen too many violent movies, I guess, in my time. You, would, you can't disagree with that. Your opinion and my opinion supposedly are sacrosanct. You know what we are? We're solips, solipsisms. Like we're basically living in our own universe. We make up the rules. It's, it's like an, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable. So you can't, you can't have a moral disagreement if we agree there is no God, there's just you and me deciding what's morally right. This is one thing that's wrong with moral relativism. You can't disagree. It makes no sense. So you can't argue. You can't criticize. That would be meaningless. There's, another point would be there's no need then to be moral because no matter what you do, like keeping promises, telling the truth, lying, cheating, stealing, that was right for you in your situation. So there's no need to even think that there's any morality. You just do what you prefer, what makes you happy at each moment. Lie, cheating, steal, breaking promises. There's no need to make excuses for what you do, of course, either because there's no blame or, blame or praise because you're simply doing what you want to do and you're the source of your moral uh, conscience, if you have one. There's, there's no point in, in, in saying that other cultures are wrong, let alone other people. Uh, you can't discuss ethical questions with anybody because we each have our own private opinion and, there's, and we're both right. Uh, no moral act could ever be wrong if there's no God. That's the source of conscience. If it's just us, no matter what you do, it's always right. And contradictory views, like you shouldn't cut people's fingers off or you shouldn't murder babies or somebody else thinks that you should, contradictory views are both true because they both come from the authority, you yourself and me myself. All I'm saying is one simple version of the moral argument. Here's the simple version. The simple version says if you're a moral relativist, you have to give up what you can't give up. Because you do make excuses. You do 
claim that you disagree, you do argue with other people about their opinions. You do have ethical you know, discussions about abortion and euthanasia. You are appealing to a moral source beyond yourself, despite the fact that you're calling yourself a moral relativist. I do what I want to do. I make up my own mind. No, you don't. You're, because the minute somebody has a different opinion, you will have a breaking point. I mean, you could go on and say, oh, we'll love everybody. Everybody's opinion's valid. Everybody's opinion is true. Until they start saying, well, my opinion is to kill all the old people. Then you go and try to protect your mother and father from these, these maniacs. Uh, eventually, you're going to see that you have to argue that there is a higher source. The one that Geisler uses is he hands back an essay, a midterm essay, right? I think it's a blue one in, in his story. He fails somebody after writing an essay on whether or not there's a moral law based in God or whether it's just the same thing we've been discussing. He fails somebody, and the student immediately says, that's unfair. Geisler's point is, unfair to who? I, it was my personal moral, moral uh, choice to fail you, even though it was probably worth an A. It's a great argument. But I decided I'd rather fail you. You can't disagree with that if you think everybody makes up their own mind by themselves. You have, you're, when you say that's not fair, that's, that's the key. That you shouldn't do that. If you start using oughts and shouldn'ts, and it's not fair, you're appealing to a higher source than you or me, and that's all we mean by the moral argument. There is a higher source. It's not blind evolution we're appealing to. Like I say, gravity or instinct is not going to help us. That's not the moral law. It's not nature. It's not some unconscious force. It's not society. Society is always wrong. Green lights, it should be a blue light for, for go and an orange light for stop or whatever. It's all arbitrary. That's not mor morality. That's social practice. C.S. Lewis just, just outlined eight or nine of these things, saying, here's what you give up if you don't think there's a source of the moral law. Um, you have to cease. You have to suck up every disgusting moral behavior of other people and say it was their right to do these horrible things. You know a person who's killed five babies so far and she's pregnant again, but that's her choice. That's her choice. And God knows. It, I mean, the minute you say it's wrong or you feel repulsed, you're, you're admitting there's something there besides us and society. It's not just because she's breaking laws. It's far beyond a social act. The moral proof is that good. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us for the next episode as the journey of justifying beliefs continues.